Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast, a show to raise your consciousness, deprogram and replace limiting and destructive beliefs, reignite your life and ultimately wake the hell up to your true potential. I'm your host and guide, Shannon Riley, and now let's get into today's episode. Hello, podcast family. Welcome back to the show. I'm super excited for today's episode. I have a pretty loose outline, so we're going to see where the wind takes me. But I have a strong feeling that this is going to be a reoccurring topic of intimacy as, I don't know, I just feel like I'm really getting more into it and I'm learning a lot about it. And that's kind of what the show is all about, is about sharing what I'm learning as I'm going through it. So I hope that you enjoy it and stay tuned for more. But let's just dive right on in. Obviously, in the past couple of months, we've been talking more about breakups and grief and heartbreak and sober sex and all of the things, right, that kind of revolve around relationships. And I think that intimacy, when you think of intimacy, I would encourage you to even take a moment right now. You could even pause right now and just ask yourself, like, what does intimacy look like? What is that snap picture that pops up in your mind or feeling that you feel in your body, depending on which sense is your primary representation system? Like mine is vision. So I have a picture that pops up first, but maybe if yours is feeling, then you'll or like touch, then you'll feel something, or smell, you'll smell something, or hearing, you'll hear something, whatever it may be. So I encourage you to take a moment and ask yourself, like, what is intimacy? And notice what comes up for you, because what we're going to talk about in today's episode is that a lot of times we're conditioned to believe that intimacy, the dependent, or the achievement of intimacy is dependent on somebody outside of yourself. And while that can be achieved, of course, through friendship, through love, through touch, whatever it may be, or even just through being a teammate, whatever. Intimacy at its foundation has to be within yourself. You have to be intimate with you in the mirror. And we've talked a lot about that on this podcast before. I don't think we've ever called it self-intimacy, but I think that everything that we do within the personal development space is actually self-intimacy. I think it's just getting to a general understanding, a deeper understanding of who you are, why you are the way that you are. Where did you come from? Who do you want to become? Who are you today? How do you feel now? Being acquainted with the language that is your emotional body and understanding like being able to communicate between you and your emotions, like that is intimacy, at least to me. And you know, it's not all about masturbating. Some of it is, but not all of it. It doesn't have to like, I don't know. I feel like society has made it like this dirty word. If it's not with somebody else, it's like, oh, it's so beautiful when it's with like, you know, the love of your life or whatever. But when it's with yourself, it's like disgusting. And it's like, are we that disconnected from ourselves? Yeah, we certainly are. I can definitely confirm that we are that connected or disconnected from ourselves. But even just in that simple societal standard, I encourage you to lean into the discomfort of that, of like, is that really what I want to believe? Because realistically, who does that serve? that self-intimacy is gross. And that doesn't necessarily, it's the over-encompassing thing. If you associate self-intimacy with masturbation and you're like, that's disgusting, then they're you're basically locking yourself off from the rest of intimacy. It's like that's the tip of the iceberg and you're going to rob yourself of the entire ocean because of the tip. And someone out there wants you to believe in the tip. And that's why you're not allowed to go discover the ocean. I don't know if that made any sense to anybody but me. I hope that it did. But anyway, that was a loose ramble that I actually didn't have written down. So I hope you enjoyed. But I am going to go ahead and get right into the things that I do have written down. So I want to start off because we also have talked about 
toxic shame and what shame really is. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly encourage you to go do so. I basically summarize a like 250 page, almost like psychology textbook in a podcast. So highly recommended. And a lot of us are operating from this space of shame because in an odd way, it's an easy thing to do. It's difficult to experience, but it's an easy thing to fall into the traps of. And intimacy, I would argue, is actually the antidote to shame. It's the other side of shame. It can be a part of the cure of shame, if you will. And this is because what is shame? Shame is like the ridiculing of self. It's this negative self-talk. It's a downward spiral, right? And when you engage in an intimate relationship, it breaks the habit of that negativity within your mind. Because by honestly sharing yourself and exposing yourself, you experience validation and acceptance from the other person while cultivating trust and self-esteem in you. And by seeing yourself in the other person, it gives us the context or the mirror that we need to normalize our our experience. And this is literally one of the steps of AA. I do not go to AA. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe I know more than the average person, but not, you know, by any means, not that much. But I do know that one of the steps is admitting all of your wrongdoings to either somebody in the program or your sponsor. And the point of that is because these things, especially when you're drinking, you hold so much negative, shameful, toxic energy around it. In our mind, it's it's a memory, right? And let's have the memory be a box. But then this box, through shame, grows moldy in our mind. And that mold just, it replicates, it overcomes everything else around it, it destroys everything else around it, right? And the point of admitting your wrongdoings to somebody else is you're putting that moldy, disgusting box on the table and you're going to witness somebody else come from a state of compassion and love and extend that to the box and therefore to you as well. It doesn't change how they view you. And that is so unbelievably important. That's the power of a community that is rooted in love. Like where are the places that you love going? Why is that? Why do you like being there? How does it make you feel when you go there? Is it because everybody is like super uplifting and pushing you and moving you forward? That's awesome. But some of the places that I absolutely love are the places that I can be 150% authentically myself and I can expose the not so great parts of myself. That's the best. When you are able to do that, you're engaging the duality of emotions and who you are and the shadow self. And it's, yeah, it's freaking awesome to be around people who boost you up and are like, yeah, 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 like be the best. Yeah, that's awesome. No shit. Like, of course that feels great, but it is so powerful. I mean, why do you think therapy works? It's so powerful when you can show those other sides, the shadow sides, and then still get the hey like yeah maybe it's not the like fuck yeah type of like energy you know but it is gonna be like hey like I see you and I still love you and you're still a human being and I can still extend compassion to you and just give you a freaking hug it's that softer what is it it's feminine energy versus (laughs) versus masculine but anyway intimacy is going to be a helpful antidote to shame because it's going to allow you to have that mirror that breaks the habit of that negative, toxic shame cycle, right? But here's the thing about intimacy. Intimacy is risky as fuck, y'all. Risky AF. And here's the interesting part about it. We desire it. We long for it. We crave it. We look for it everywhere. We're always searching for it. We even chase it. Like we run after it. But at the same time, We also are deeply petrified of it. We resist it. We push it away. We run away from it. We are like, we fall apart when we have it, right? Because it's, 
it's risky and it's scary. It feels like we're putting ourselves out there just to be evaluated and judged, which depending on your tolerance of vulnerability can be totally exciting or deeply petrifying. And I would argue that that just comes down to your ability to evaluate and judge and be vulnerable with yourself. Again, this comes down to the foundation of are you able to be intimate with yourself? The more you're able to be vulnerable with yourself in the mirror, in your mind, in your journal, in your spirituality, whatever it may be, the more likely you are to be super vulnerable with somebody else, right? At least, I mean, that's what I freaking think, but this whole podcast is what I freaking think, so what do I know? But anyway, (laughs) and we can see that through this lens, our understanding of intimacy actually is an basically, and I already said this, it's like it has this achievement that is dependent on other people outside of ourselves, right? And of course, that can be helpful. Duh. And nice. Of course, it's nice. We are hormonally driven and evolutionarily driven to connect with other people. But the nature of intimacy is also available to you individually all the time, 100% of the time. So how are you intimate with yourself? When was the last time you just sat still and put down your phone and just listened to the sound of your heartbeat, put your hand on your heart and just felt it and heard it? When was the last time you did a body scan, a meditation body scan without like a, an app or some shit, like literally just being like, okay, I'm thinking about my toes. I'm starting here. How do they feel? Moving up into my feet and cycling around your body, just leading yourself through it. You're more than capable of doing that. And when was the last time that you literally just ate your food or drank your shit without your phone or the TV or any distract or a book or even your thoughts, no distractions at all. Just sat there with your food or whatever you were consuming. When was the last time that you witnessed an emotion as it came up within you and developed that language between you and the emotion? When was the last time you looked in the mirror with love towards yourself? When was the last time you pleasured yourself? And that doesn't need to be, it can be, but it doesn't need to be only masturbation. What were you like the last time you were working out and you were like, wow, this literally feels so good in my body, like you're doing yoga or you're doing Pilates or you're lifting or you're boxing or you're running or you're whatever, stretching. I don't care. When was the last time you were like, wow, I like deeply feel pleasured by myself, by my own actions right now with that. And if it is masturbation without the feeling of guilt or shame or disgust or whatever it may be that you're holding on from like childhood or society or the fucking church, whatever it may be. When was the last time you literally just pleasured yourself and felt it and had it be that? That's it that like never most people but the truth is that we can only meet each other to the extent that we have met ourselves and intimacy I don't want to say unfortunately but unfortunately for people who don't already do this intimacy is an all or nothing type of game you don't get to go and only experience the good it comes with the bad. It comes with the shadow. You have to experience both. And actually that improves both sides. The good gets better when you experience the bad and the bad, you know, it will end when you've experienced the good. You need both to have them balance each other back out. That's the yin and the yang. So intimacy isn't an all or nothing type of game. You can't be selectively intimate with yourself and then only experience the good. It just doesn't work that way. You're either in or you're out, which is why it takes so much damn courage. But obviously the rewards are well worth it because I mean, shit, what else are we working towards in this life? Like our goals, what does your goal really make you feel? Because you have this goal to save $10,000. Okay, cool. What's the emotion of that? And like, there's always a means to an end. The mean is that $10,000, but the end is the emotion that you've attached to the $10,000. And what if that emotion is just connection? 
and you're like, okay, why do I think that money is the way to feel connected? And you start digging into these things. And just even through that process alone, that is self-intimacy because it's self-awareness. But then also, what if you can just experience intimacy through connection right here, right now with the person standing behind you in Starbucks? And just turn around and have a goddamn conversation. Take out your headphones. When was the last time I do this all the time? And I notice myself. I'm like, Shannon, take them out. I always am wearing my headphones. I'm like, you're cutting off any type of potential connection around you by having headphones in. You were choosing to do that. And then when I go home and I'm sitting home and I live alone, like, "Mm, I'm like lonely, which does not happen often because I'm an only child and truly I love being alone. But it's like, when I look back on my life, I don't want to see myself alone with headphones on. I want to see myself with connections and relationships and great memories and laughter and joy and all these different moments, right? And I have you have to set up yourself for success to have that happen by number one, being intimate with yourself so that you're able to be intimate with other people, but then also literally taking off your damn headphones, taking off your resting bitch face, opening up your heart, dropping your limiting beliefs about people, that people are no damn good. That's such a bullshit belief. Like that is such BS. There's 7 billion people. Everyone sucks. Everyone. That's such a huge statement. Have you listened to Andy Grammer? You're going to tell me that he sucks. Like there's so many awesome human beings. How are you going to say they all suck? So anyway, going off on a rant, but anyway, Intimacy is not an all or nothing game. You got to be all in or you're all out and you have to have the courage to make that decision. And then when it comes to intimacy, there are three different kinds of intimacy. Number one is emotional. Then there's physical and energetic. When it comes to emotional, this is going to be the experience of recognizing, articulating, expressing, releasing, and accepting any feelings or moods of yourself and of other people. And this is based on empathy and a cognitive understanding of emotions and a willingness to be transparent and vulnerable. And this is found on a foundation level is willingness to seeing other people and being seen. But when it comes to this, again, we need to learn how to develop the language of our emotions. We don't learn this shit in freaking preschool or elementary school. We don't learn the language of emotions at all. And just because it wasn't taught to us doesn't mean that we don't have or don't get to or can't go learn it on our own. That is in my mind, being a self-aware adult is taking the shit into your own hands because while your all your emotional shit, your trauma, whatever it may be, is certainly not your fault, it is your responsibility to handle it. And you need to start with learning the language of what's going on here. And so emotional intimacy is that language. It's understanding what's coming up, where it's coming from, where you feel it, and what it really means. That's emotional intimacy. Then physical intimacy is just the experience of connection with other people, with your own physicality within somebody else's, and again, within yourself. So being physically intimate with yourselves means that you know how your body works. You know which sensations you like. You know which things you don't like. Obviously, sex is one form of physical intimacy, but also a hug or a kiss or any type of touch or closeness. If you're standing really close to somebody and you're feeling tension, whatever that may be. And when we can tolerate this proximity and touch while remaining relaxed, while not getting on edge or activating our fight or flight autonomic nervous system response, that's how we can achieve physical intimacy. But if you have trauma around sexual trauma or physical trauma, trauma, like abuse or whatever it may be in the past, you can, of course, be in proximity of other people, but it would be argued that you couldn't tolerate it because that nervous system is being activated and you're going into fight or flight or freeze mode where you're just on edge or you're like, get me the fuck away from here, or you're just fighting or whatever it may be, right? And if that's the case, then 
physical intimacy is going to be extremely difficult. Like why, how are you going to be touched if you're freaking out? You know what I mean? And that's totally okay if you're freaking out because that trauma in that experience is a hundred percent valid. Of course you feel that way. One plus one equals two. So of course, but at the same time, you have to ask yourself, do I want this to continue in my life? Do I want this response forever? When I look back on my life, what do I want to say I did? What do I want to say I healed? How do I want to experience my life? And at some point in time, you're going to have to build up the courage, build up damn ovaries to face that shit and work your way through it because the only way out is through. You are not going to dance around it or underneath it or above it. You have to go through it. And there are so many qualified, professional, educated individuals that can help you through that, through somatic therapy, trauma-informed therapy, all the different, there's so many options. And I encourage you, if that is the case for you, to find it so that you can have your highest quality of life on a physically intimate level. And then that last type of intimacy is energetic. This is going to be the experience of feeling deeply connected to someone beyond the utility of speech or touch. This happens when we're completely attentive and aware of ourselves or another person based on our level of presence, humility, and curiosity, our ability to be vulnerable. And to be energetically intimate requires a willing to disengage from all of your judgment, all of your projections, all of basically your bullshit and assessments and your assignments of meanings and all that simple shit or all that shit. And instead choose to just observe the simple and subtle moment as it unfolds. It's the power of now. You are choosing to be in the 150% now and drop everything else. That's energetic intimacy. And then those are the three different kinds of intimacy, but then there are also three different levels of intimacy. The first one, we've already talked about this, is self. This is just, are you intimate with yourself? This is you. This is built on the foundation of your ability to be intimate with yourself because we can only recognize outside of ourselves that which we know firsthand, which we've experienced firsthand. And this is going to be the foundation of our skills and capacity for connection and communion with other people, which is... I don't know about you, but when I look back on my life, that's what I want. I want to see all the people of my life that made my life so beautiful, right? And then another type uh, or another level of intimacy is going to be with the other. This could be one single person separate from yourself, like your friend, your family member, like your mom, your dad, your sister, whatever, or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kid, whatever it may be. But it can also be like a smaller group of people defined by a common association, kind of like family members or group within your family or a small group of friends or your work colleagues, your team, whatever that may be. And then this last level of intimacy is going to be with the world. This kind of has two different parts to it. It includes larger groups of people, but it also includes the natural world, the earth. And this is going to include our connection with the world that we live in beyond those one-on-one relationships. So like our local community, our city, our country, global connection, sports teams, whatever it may be. And it also includes being intimate with the earth, getting your freaking feet on the ground, going to the beach, feeling the wind hearing thunder, whatever it may be, just like being earthly, right? Being earthly crunchy. And this is really about going from the micro to the macro, being a part, but experiencing the whole. And, you know, this is really where spirituality kicks in or religion kicks in. It's about recognizing in a higher power, there's something outside of yourself, being intimate with that, that this level of intimacy is going to be included within that spiritual practice. Now, 
These things can all play together. So there's three levels of intimacy. There's also three types of intimacy, which means there are nine options of intimacy. You can be physically intimate with yourself. You can be energetically intimate with the world. You can be emotionally intimate with other people. You can be all three kinds with all three levels. And having a very intimately connected and aware lifestyle is all about leaning into all of those different aspects and recognizing which ones you're already good at, which ones you maybe aren't so good at and why, and recognizing like, hey, the more I resist this, the more I lean away from it, the more it's going to persist. So realistically, my responsibility as a self-aware human is to just lean into the discomfort and see, see it through and go through it, right? And then sometimes with this, with any type of discomfort, we run away from it, right? Again, like we said before, intimacy, we run towards it, but then we get there and we sprint away from it, right? And so this proposes the question of how do we run away? And there are three different types of ways that we run a sprint away or avoid or whatever from intimacy. The first one is denial. This is just when we literally pretend there isn't a problem at all, not at all. This causes cognitive dissonance, which is when we're telling ourselves that what we feel doesn't really exist. We're literally gaslighting ourselves and we're denying our own feelings. And through this, we disconnect from our own intuition and lose trust in ourselves and our ability to accurately figure out what's real and what's not in the world. And I don't know about you, but I enjoy trusting myself and I don't want to, I don't want anybody gaslight me and I certainly don't want that person to be me. So denial is just a form of avoiding through gaslighting the self and being like, nope, this isn't real. Nope, nope, no, no, no. And then that will leak into other areas of your life. What else are you going to tell isn't real? When you have a gut instinct that maybe you have an illness or maybe somebody else does or whatever it may be, you be like, nah, that's not real. And then come to find out it was real. And if you had gotten help five years earlier, it would have been a very different situation, right? But because of denial, now you have shit on a plate that you have to deal with. The next type of way that we run away from intimacy is through deflection. This is when we're directing our pain at someone or something else when we're just unwilling to take any responsibility for our own experience. And this doesn't mean that you're taking accountability for what you did or what they did or whatever it may be. It's taking responsibility of your own emotional experience. So here's an example of this. Maybe you got cheated on and the, I don't know, the person that cheated on you, you're not somehow, we do this all the time in society. We're not mad at the person who cheated on us. We're bullshit at the other woman or the other man. We're like, oh, and we pick them to shreds. We're like, oh, they're fat. They're ugly. They're poor. They suck. And we like rip them apart. Meanwhile, the actual asshole in the image, he gets or she gets away like, smooth sailing. And it's just because it's easier to point our finger at that person who we don't love. And it's easy to hate them, right? Then look at the person we do love and be like, all of my feelings of hatred are actually directed towards somebody that had my heart. And that's petrifying. Why? Because it relates to you. It's somebody who had your heart or maybe still has your heart. And it's about you. And so this is about taking responsibility of your own experience. So when you're unwilling to do that, you're very easily to just throw shit at other people because that pain, that shit has to go somewhere. It can't just stay still. It's very energetically charged, which means it's got to be moving and grooving. And so if you're not taking responsibility for it, you're throwing it somewhere else. And by doing this, this original emotion of 
abandonment that this person who had your heart threw it in the fucking trash can, or at least it feels that way. Instead of it being that emotion, it goes through like a box and comes out on the other side and is like, I hate that bitch, Becky. She's so fat and ugly. Like, rah, 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 rah. and we're just ripping her apart. And it's actually not about the person. And it's not about the original emotion of abandonment, which actually even that of like, you you feel abandoned by your partner for them cheating on you. That feeling of abandonment actually stems in your childhood because your dad walked out. Like that's a, that's the a root cause. And the more you're deflecting, the more difficult you're making it to track back to what is actually the freaking root problem here that I need to work on. The more you throw shit towards other people, the less attention you have to give to yourself in your own wounds and your own triggers that you need to handle. And then the last way that we run away from intimacy is just through distraction. We are in the age of freaking distraction, y'all. We have our phones. There's endless things that we can do to distract ourselves with. And this is just how we avoid feeling pain it's easier to stay at the tip of the iceberg than to go to the bottom of it and feel all the pain that it takes to get to the bottom of it however that's where our freedom lies right so we can do this by engaging within compulsive behaviors like binge eating or drinking alcohol or having sex or shopping or our phones or whatever it may be but also a distraction can be like something good as well. Like those are maybe bad habits, but it can also be good habits, like focusing on the good areas of your life because it's actually just a way to subconsciously prevent deep healing work that you know is going to disrupt you and cause discomfort. And so like that could be being a workaholic. It could be being a gym rat or it could be, I mean, I've literally done that. I was orthorexic, like which an orthorexia is just an obsession with being healthy, like so unbelievably obsessed with being healthy. Um, it could also be like an obsessed parent that is sacrificing all of their needs for the child, which actually leads to enmeshment, which we've talked about in other intimacy podcasts, because intimacy also comes down to the ability to be separate from somebody else. Like we, we f- have this whole concept of falling in love. And I don't believe that's what we should be striving for. I think we should be striving to stand in love and stand strong in love, and stand strong in yourself, and be able to love somebody else while standing strong as you. That is so important. Instead of just falling into somebody's arm like this fucking princess fairy tale. It's a fairy tale for a fucking reason. It's not real. So remember that the next time you're like, oh my god, I just am falling. It's like, stop falling, bitch. Stand up. Put on your fucking hoops. Stand the fuck up. Stand in yourself. And if somebody wants to match you and if somebody wants to stand next to you or stand back to back with you and face the world as like the war of this freaking world with you, that's beautiful. That's standing in love. But I'm not interested in this whole intimacy fucking bullshit fairy tale of falling in love. I don't want to be a princess. I want to be a fucking queen. And queens stand the fuck up right? So anyway, I'm going to end on that note because that feels like a high note to me. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at shan.riley, R-I-L-E-Y-Y-Y. And also come join the fam over on TikTok, which is at shannonriley10 or the number 1010. And also leave a Apple podcast review that helps the show grow on its own. And it also makes me really freaking happy. So I hope you all have a great week and I will see y'all same place, same time next week here on the podcast.